Hey, y'all. My name is John Elmore, and I want to tell you a little bit about myself before we jump into the topic for tonight, because I, I think that's only fair to you. So I, prior to my marriage, slept with a woman who was not yet divorced. She was going through a divorce. I've, I've committed adultery in that regard. I'm a uh, former alcoholic, so for over a decade, I was a drunk. Um, it was functional. I was working for an ad agency at the time, and I don't, I don't know if that makes it better somehow. It's like, you know, putting whipped cream and a cherry on a pile of mess. It's like, oh, congrats, you were functional. You were still a total drunk. Uh, weed, pills. I tell people I never struggled with porn, and the reason why I didn't struggle with it is because I loved it. It, w- it wasn't a struggle. It was nothing I wrestled with. I just gave myself over to it. I brought it into a relationship, and yet, for the last 16 and a half years, uh, I have been sober. I haven't had weed. I haven't looked at porn. Um, I've been faithful in my marriage now here at 11, 11 years um, with three kids. And, and the reason for all of that, even though at one time I was sleeping on a couch, gun to my head, life falling apart because of addiction and, and all the decisions I had made, the hopelessness and despair that crept in, it is all because of Jesus. And I don't know where you land on the, on the spectrum of spirituality, like where you are. When I say the name Jesus, if you're like, oh, great, get me out of here. It's a bait and switch. My wife told me I was coming to tear a marriage thing, and here we are. But he can change anything and everyone as you give him. You give him the broken pieces, he'll change everything. And so everything I just shared with you, now I'm a teaching pastor at this church. I've served in a recovery ministry for 10 years, and, and that is unfathomable with all of my past that I just told you, apart from the fact that Jesus is who he says he is, and what he did for me, he can do for you. I don't have to know your story. You just have to know that what he did for me, he can do for you, and then some. It's what he lives to do. So with all of that there, so that you know who you're listening to and and where I've been from, now I want to tell you the second most often phrase used in our house. I, I would imagine maybe you can guess the first. What would you think the first most often used phrase in our household is? <laughs> no, that's probably right, actually. Uh, I was going to say I love you. We say I love you a lot to the kids, um, to my wife and I. We say it multiple times a day. There was a, there was a friend I had once, and he was like, he's like, you know what? I told my wife I love her on my wedding day, and I'm never going to tell her again. I'm like, man. That's really dumb. Uh, It didn't go well for them. But we need those reminders in our lives, right? That we love each other. So that's the most often used phrase. What do you think the second most used phrase is, aside from no, to our eight, six, and four-year-old? What's that? Wow, well done. So you must have been listening to Mandy when she said we're going to have a forgiveness talk. The second most often phrase is, will you forgive me? Which is really contradictory. Like, hey, I love you. And then I did something to you or against you. And now I need to ask you for your forgiveness. Like they seem opposite, right? Like I love you and I sin against you. It's like, well, that's contradictory. Except for the fact that we've got people who sin living under the same house in very close proximity with a lot of hard decisions of parenting and family and finance and in-laws and communication and work and stay at home and work from home and all the pressures. And so it is I love you and it's also I hurt you often. And because I hurt you and you hurt me and the kids hurt each other, it's like will you please forgive me is the second most used phrase. But I think that it's not always the case. 
and we leave that phrase out. And when we leave that phrase out, it, uh, it just becomes a mess because you have all of this sin that is just stagnating within our, our lives, our hearts, which grows bitterness and resentment. And, and you could probably start filling in the blanks like, yeah. And it also creates and it, and it strife. And, and then your, the marriage bed, like sexuality grows cold because of the, the frustration and difficulty. And um, all of a sudden we're hurting each other because we've been hurt in retaliation or in frustration. And so all of that mess is why forgiveness is so important. And so will you please forgive me? Tonight I want to talk about why and how to seek forgiveness. Why? Like why we do it, a little bit I've just shared because of, of that pain that happens. And if we don't resolve it, it's going to create trouble. And then also how we do it. Because I think a lot of times we go about it in a really wrong way. Instead of saying, will you please forgive me? We've got these patterns and family of origin. And we, we, won't, uh, we operate in pride, which just leads to, to more hurt when we don't do it in a right, biblical, gospel way. Um, I want to share something. Well, no, let me jump. So our old house, the previous one, I had this tree guy out. And uh, he, he was recommended and reputable. He had a master's degree from Texas A&M in like horticulture or some kind of like tree degree, which, which I didn't even know was the thing. And I can't believe I didn't hear any whoops just then. Uh, I, truly, like Texas A&M is my favorite community college in all of Texas. I think it's incredible. Um, and they have degrees in trees, which I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. You got the ag part, right? And so anyway, this guy comes over, and he's looking in the backyard. We have this big live oak. And I'm like, that limb would literally crush our master bedroom. And so we need to talk. And then he's like, well, let me check out the front. We start walking through the side yard, and we're literally just walking past a bush. And he goes, whoa, like jumps out like a snake was in the side yard. He's like, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, water it? And he's like, you can't water that thing. Tell me you're not watering it. And I'm like, yeah, we, we water that. Like, what? I'm like, some kind of like charlatan. Like, why are you trying to tell me not to water my plant? This is such bogus. I knew I didn't like Aggies. And he's like, if you water that, that's going to crack your drywall. Your garage is going to shift. You probably won't be able to open your doors anymore. And the ceiling is going to start separating from where the wall meets on this side of the house. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That degree was worth every penny. You haven't been inside my house, and you just described everything going on in my house. I'm like, what, what do I do? He's like, well, that's an oak tree. I'm like, who would plant an oak tree that close to my house? And he's like, a squirrel. I'm like, dude, the squirrel. So I'm like getting on Amazon, buying a pellet gun. I'm like, they're dead. I'm, kill, I'm making war against the squirrels because literally because some squirrel planted an acorn that grew up into a bush that frankly I watered, uh, it, it, it had no trunk. It was an oak tree that had just like had this root system and was just growing and it had jacked up both figuratively and literally that side of our house to where our garage door, like you had to like knee it to get inside that the drywall was cracked, like everything was messed up because of that one little acorn that got planted. And a squirrel, like, 
we think they're cute, right? Like we make little chairs with a corn cob where they can sit and watch them. They're rats. That's all they are. They're rats with a fluffy tail. Like if you do a side-by-side -side of a squirrel and a rat, the only difference is they have a fluffy tail. And so they look cute. They're terrible. And that squirrel was wrecking my house by putting that nut there. I say that because it's what we do when we have sin. We take something that we think is really insignificant, right? Like when I do something wrong to Laura, I think it's like, big deal, get over it. And she's like, no, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Your, your sin is shifting our house. Like it's messing up our dynamic. It, it's creating fra fractures and messing up the foundation of the marriage. Like, but I'm like, are you kidding me? It's so small. But if it's not resolved, if it's not taken out, then that little acorn of sin is going to grow up and spread and mess up our house, our marriage. And so there's this really stupid phrase, too, that time heals all wounds. And it's so wrong. Time does not heal all wounds. Um, medically speaking, time makes wounds fester. Time makes wounds give you gangrene, and you'll have to have something amputated and cut off because it becomes dead. Like, time and a wound and a marriage is lethal. You have to get it out. And the only way to get it out, because what I could do with that live oak that was growing, I like, you know, get my, get my saw and I'm cutting it out and I'm drilling holes and putting like root killer onto this thing because it wouldn't go away. I'm just like cutting off the top. I had to uproot that thing and like kill it at the base because it was going to grow back. If I did not address it in the right way, thoroughly, it was going to come back. And I think a lot of times we're like, oh, sorry. You're like, sorry? Like, that's incredibly insignificant for the gravity of the sin that you committed and that it's been there for so long. And so I say sin is inevitable. Like, that's, we've got two people living in the same house who do sin against each other, hurt each other, and sin shifts house. Bearing it is not an option because of everything we've said, it doesn't go away. It gets worse. In, in Germany, just last month, they found a 500-pound bomb near a financial center and by the, the local authority that runs the transport of like buses and trains. And any guesses uh, who would be, because there is responsible party, they, they know who did it now. Um, any, any, anybody guess who put the 500 pounds of munitions right there? Squirrel. Squirrel. It's the new Al-Qaeda branch. S-Q-R-L. Uh, but you're like, is it, is it ISIS? Is it like some fact of group? Is, you know, here it might be like Antifa. Like what, who, who did that? Um, we did that. Yeah, it's World War II. For 70, 80 years almost, that bomb has laid in Germany's soil. And it happened as they were digging and construction happens every summer, like water levels will go down, the Feynman Rivers. In this case, it wasn't an acorn. It was a 500-pound bomb dropped by an ally. Now we're allies. And what happened in World War II is rather than get all of the dropped bombs and the munition that was there, they just clamored to rebuild because we had decimated, we and the British had decimated and leveled Germany. So they just rebuilt on top of bombs. They literally rebuilt on top of bombs. And then when they coded to try to do construction, I'm, that's, that's the symbol for a backhoe. If you're like, what do you do? Is that a squirrel? Like, what are we, I can't follow your analogies. 
uh, when they're, as they're digging with a backhoe, they'll hit these bombs. Construction workers will die because they built on top of destruction, destructive things that were meant to hurt. And we do the same thing. We've got those hurts and pains that we've deposited by allies in our marriage to, against each other. And, we're, and we'll sometimes just like peace fake, overlook it, rebuild on top of that. And then a little later on, you're like out to eat or on a date night or vacation or with the in-laws. And, and there's a little bit of digging and, and boom! And, and the other spouse is like, what in the world? Like, where did that reaction come from? And, you're, and it's all this unresolved hurt, not from 80 years ago, maybe 80 days ago, that wasn't addressed or resolved or dug up. We just built on top of it. And those bombs don't go away. They go off. And so bearing it is not an option. So here is how you resolve it. That's the problem. Here's the solution. You ask for forgiveness. I said squirrels are like rats with fluffy tails. If you have been a rat, ask for forgiveness. This will just help you remember. Bear with me. A rat is to recognize the wrong. A is to ask for forgiveness. And T is to take steps to change. Or if that's too much, just say turn. So recognize the wrong, ask for forgiveness. And T, turn or take steps. Here's, what it, here's how it goes. That's, that's if you've been a rat, the squirrel who's put the acorn into your spouse to, to mess up the house, like if you've done something wrong. Recognize the wrong is, it happened to me this morning. In case you're like, okay, great, like you know some, some verses and things to talk about with the Bible, and great, but what do you know? That was all your past. This morning, um, we were late, I was late to take my kid, youngest, um, to his little like summer church camp thing. And I had told Laura when I was a shower, and hey, have him ready whenever I get out. Well, because of different situations, I come down. He's not even here. He's at the neighbor's house. He's barefoot. Uh, he's coloring of all things. So I'm just immediately like flashpoint frustrated. Like now I'm going to be late. He's going to be late. I, I feel like that's inconsiderate to others. So I'm mad at him. I'm mad at Laura. And what I could have done in that moment is justify. Well, I did justify it in the moment. This is like uh, 30 minutes later. As I'm like, I've got, I've got to teach on forgiveness tonight, so I probably should live with forgiveness today. Uh, I call her, and I'm like, hey, baby, um, I, I, I was really short with you and Judd, and there's no excuse for that. that. That did not set him up well for going to his little adventure camp, and it wasn't the right way to say goodbye to you. I'm so sorry I talked that way. That was recognized the wrong. If I would have just called and been like, Hey, you know what? For earlier, sorry. Um, in our house, when that happens, it's sorry for what? So I've got to recognize the wrong. I want her to know I know what you're dealing with right now. I want you to know I did wrong and I know that it was wrong. I'm not just going to like sling some apology at you, but I'm going to tell you I know what I did was wrong. And I might even open myself up to be like, and, and there may be more, but that's, that's at least what I think I did. That's recognize the wrong, and it's important. It's really important for the other person to feel understood. Then the A is ask for forgiveness. Here's why this is important. It's because so often um, people just say, it's like American Christianese culture, like, hey, I'm sorry. Or even better than that is please forgive me, which is a polite way of commanding someone that you've hurt to forgive you. And it's like, well, please, because you attach please to it, you're telling me to forgive you? Please forgive me? Like, don't tell me what to do. You're the one that just sinned against me. Instead, it is, will you please forgive me? Question mark. If it doesn't have a question mark on it, you haven't asked a question. 
And so you don't command them to forgive you. You ask them to forgive you. And once you do, this will help a lot. Learning from experience, I paid the dumb tax. Shut up. (laughs) Say, will you please forgive me? And then be quiet. Don't say, will you please forgive me? Because, hey, I asked you to have Judd ready, and he wasn't ready. And so when I came downstairs, that's why I was frustrated. Now I'm just like pouring gas on that fire, and I have more to ask for forgiveness for. Instead, it's, will you please forgive me? Silence. Let them respond. They might not say yes, but that's not on you. Romans 12 says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. You're just making the effort to ask for forgiveness. In in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says this. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother, in our case, spouse, has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. God's saying like, hey, we're good, but you and your spouse aren't. So whatever you think you need to do, and the highest priority is probably worship God, don't worry about that. You go get things right with your spouse, then tend to other things. That's like the most that we should do with immediacy. In Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse 2 through 5, it says this. If you've been ensnared by the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you've come into the hand of your neighbor, in this case, your spouse. Go, hasten, so go quickly, and plead urgently with your neighbor. This is key. Give, no, give, no, give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber to free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. So he says, don't even go to bed. Don't let the sun go down. Like when you recognize I've been a rat, I planted an acorn of sin, I'm going to go to my spouse that day before my head hits the pillow and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. So that's the A, ask. And then T, because here, fill in this phrase for me. Hey, I know you're sorry, but what I really want you to do is change. That's what we want. It's like, I'll forgive you all day long. Like, I can forgive you. We're locked in. This is a covenant. I forgive you. But my goodness, for the, this is the 80th time. Like, yes, I forgive you, but I really, it'd be awesome if you didn't do that again because it hurts. Which is what the Lord calls us to, which is repentance. is to turn from sin. But we try to effort that on our own. Like, okay, oh gosh, I've been controlling and nagging again. I've, I've been disrespectful again. I got drunk again. I looked at porn again. I overspent again. I overate again. I underate again. I, I didn't honor our schedule again. I, whatever it is again, the spouse rightfully so is like, hey, that sin hurts me. What I want is change. And here's some good news, bad news. The bad news is you can't change yourself. The good news is God will every time. It's what he lives to do. He is the one who can change you. You can't change yourself. You certainly can't change your spouse. Don't try that. But God will change you if you ask him. He will. It's what he lives to do, which is the Holy Spirit's job. Now, that's how to ask for forgiveness. We have been given a command in Scripture. It's in Ephesians 4.32 to forgive. He says, forgive one another in case you're like, man, really? For what they did? He says, as you have been forgiven in Jesus. As God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then he goes further and says, be imitators of God. Meaning, hey, I forgave you. I forgive you in Jesus. 
And if you're not a Christian, in case you don't know, like, that's it. Like, there's no good works up to God. It's God saying, you can't good work your way up to me. We've got to deal with a sin problem, which is why he sent Jesus to die for your sins. So he's saying, I created a way for you to be forgiven. Now do the same for them. The pathway back to that restored fellowship, nothing can break a covenant. But fellowship can be hindered. So the way to restore that fellowship is through forgiveness. It's the gospel. And he's saying, live it out together. Lastly, in closing, so I told you about our house that got all messed up because of the squirrel. Here's the tale now of two houses. Jesus tells a story about two houses, and it's in Luke chapter 6. And he talks about one house built on a rock foundation, one house built on sand. You don't have to look long at when a hurricane hits. Houses on sand don't do very well. Houses on rocks, they're very steady. Um, you'll see if you go to Galveston, sometimes they're, you know, they're up on piers. Well, the reason why is they have dug down so far through all that sand until they hit the rock. And once they do, the houses are good, even though they're hitting like cat three, cat four storms. They're fine because of the rock. It says this in Luke chapter six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone comes to me and hears my word and does them. I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood came, arose, stream broke against it, could not shake it because it had been built. But the one who hears and doesn't do what I've said is like a house built on sand, and it'll fall with a great crash. I share that lastly to say, Sin is inevitable. You're going to hurt each other. It's the asking for forgiveness and extending it that will make your marriage built on the rock and make it unshakable, will make it withstand the inevitable storms of life. It's not that, well, hey, I don't know if we're going to make it through this because if, if you knew our story, God knows your story. And he says, if you hear my word, which is to ask for forgiveness and to forgive, that was louder than I thought. You will be that house built on the rock. And the storms are going to come. And don't be surprised when they do. And y'all are in this room. You're probably like, no, hey, storm already hit. Then you live it out. It's not too late. You hear the word. You do what it says. House built on the rock. Let me pray for y'all. Father, thank you so much um, for these dear souls. They are the brave ones. Because everyone should be here who's married. Um, they're not here because of dysfunction. We all have dysfunction in our marriage. They're here because they're humbly coming for help. And you say that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble. And so I call upon your promise. Not my prayer. I call upon your promise. You have promised that you give grace to the humble. And to walk through these doors and to go and sit and share requires humility. It requires humility to ask for forgiveness and to extend it. And so you give your grace and their humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.